and I felt the Lord prompt me to do this. Um, some of us that are leaders had to sign a little sheet, and this was part of that sheet, and I just felt impressed of the Lord to talk about this and to just kind of break it down a little bit. And it's good that our young people are here today because this applies to you too. So please don't shut me off because you can be stewards. I don't care if you're getting 50 cents from your parents as, you know, a week for, you know, you got a tithe on that. And kids are being taught that principle. And there's a, there's a reason for that. We learned early on that in tithing especially, you, we've tithed and then we haven't tithed and then we've gone back to it early on in our, in our walk with God and we figured out real quick, God notices. So, and it affects things. I can't explain it, but it does. So, we're going to talk about that. So, um, I'm going to have Brother Ian, if you wouldn't mind. Come up here, and he's going to receive our Sunday school offering this morning. Appreciate Brother Ian and Sister Caitlin being here. Go ahead and click receive that. And uh, and his dad being here today, starting to become a regular around here. <laughs> we like having you. Amen. We enjoy having you. Amen. And um, so God is good good to us today. In so many ways, we just can't thank him enough, can we? Amen. If you're sitting up breathing and you got both eyes working and both ears sort of working and, and uh, you, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? You got a home, you got, you, you know, they're not coming to take your stuff away and you know, all those kind of little things that we take for granted sometimes. You, you went and got in your car and you had, you exercised your faith when you turned that key this morning. Because you just didn't think your battery was going to be dead or anything. You trusted God that it was going to go. And so here we all are. So he He meant for us to be here. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I'll give you a minute if you want to find that in your Bible. We're not in a hurry, are we? We're not. We're not punching our clock. We're not trying to hurry up and get out of here, right? We will get to eat today. Trust me. <laughs> if I if I make sure I don't miss a meal, then I don't want to miss the meal that God has for me. I don't want to miss what he has. Because that's much more important than physical food. Right? That was kind of a weak amen, but I'll take it for, from some of you. I was getting some stronger amens toward the front here. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. Everybody say, that's me. We're all ministers of Christ, aren't we? Whether you realize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, we are ministers of Christ. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man or a person, human, be found, everybody say that word, faithful. together, faithful. faithful, faithful. So we're going to talk about stewardship this month, and so we're going to 
start off kind of defining stewardship, and I've got that question there. What is stewardship? Is it just something that is related to the church? No. It's a, it's a principle in the world that businesses use this. Families use this. Individuals use this just in general, whether they're in a church or not. Stewardship is, is a, is a valid principle that can make the difference in a person's financial state. Right? You know, we're, we are supposed to be good stewards of this thing we call earth that we live on. Right? And we get, we get beat up on that sometimes, but I believe that we need to be good stewards of the, 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 the thing that he's put us on to live. We, we have to take care of it. Right? We have to be good stewards of this physical body that we have. Right? This temple of the Lord. We gotta be good stewards of it. We gotta take care of it. We can't abuse it. And there's many, many ways we can abuse it, and I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> In our society today, we abuse it, and I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol and things like that. But we can abuse this vessel. This is the vessel that God came to live in, and so he expects us to take care of it, to be good stewards of our health, if you want to put it that way. So based, based on this scripture that we read, stewardship then is really all about faithfulness. Really. Because that's what it says is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So whether you're being a steward of this earth or a steward of your money or a steward of, of whatever, it's all about faithfulness and commitment and, and consistency. You know, it's like putting money in a savings account. You have to consistently do it or in a retirement account. If you want to have enough money at the, when you get to that retirement age, you have to consistently put some in there. It's not just going to magically show up if you don't. You know, employers have 401ks and, and all these pension plans that you, you have to be putting money into that and they'll match you some of them, but you still have to be putting money into it. So it's, it's about stewardship. It's about Telling this flesh right here, I don't, I can do without a little bit of my money. Cause I'm gonna need it later on down the road. That's good stewardship, isn't it? Right? Cause the wise man's gonna prepare. Even though we know the Lord's coming, why not prepare for the future? Don't leave yourself destitute at the end, right? When you have the opportunity to be a good steward. So really, these two words, stewardship and faithfulness, are interchangeable. They really are. So this month, we're going to be discussing four areas of stewardship. Stewardship of tithing, stewardship of talent, in talent, stewardship in time, and then stewardship in testimony. So in uh, chapter 4, verse 1 there, 1 Corinthians, uh, that word... Steward is the Greek word oikonomos, and it is one who manages a house. You can put that other slide up after this. One who manages a house and is accountable to the owner. This is kind of a slide I found online, but it kind of says the same thing. Christians are called stewards in that they have been entrusted with the mysteries of God. It said in that scripture. 
which is the gospel message. We've been entrusted with this gospel message. He didn't save us so that we could put our name on a pew somewhere and say, this is where I sit. That's not what he called us and saved us to do. He called us to be stewards of this of the mysteries of God. He reveals his truth to us, and it's up to us, because somebody out there came up to us one day and started talking to us about Jesus. I don't care if you were in church or out of church, and and that sparked something in us. That 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 planted a seed, and we started going, hmm, I wonder about that. And and so God will use us to do that. So we're stewards of this gospel, and it is a responsibility for which believers are held accountable. You know the story about the the guys that had five talents and two talents and one talent. What did the guy with the one talent do? He went and buried it. I know that you're a hard taskmaster, and I, you know, I just wanted to give it back to you as soon as I can. And so God's expecting us to do something with what He's given us. Everybody has a talent to do something. Some of us have a talent to speak. Some of us have a talent to do. Some of us have talents to, to do other things. But we all have talents that were given to us by God. And it's up to us to enhance those things and use them for his glory. Right? We're not supposed to sit on our talents. Merriam-Webster said that a steward is one employed in a large household or estate to manage domestic concerns such as the supervision of servants, collection of rents, and keeping of accounts. A fiscal agent, sort of like an accountant in a business, right? This is biblical stuff. A fiscal agent, an employee on a ship, airplane, bus, or train who manages the provisioning of food and the and attends to passengers, one appointed to supervise the provision and distribution of food and drink in an institution, one who actively directs affairs, a manager. So we're supposed to be managers of, of what God's given us, right? Praise God. Dictionary.com says, um, uh, Stuart is a person who manages another's property in financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another or others. We are agents of God, aren't we? A person who has charge of the household of another, buying or obtaining food, directing servants, and so on, and so on, and so on. Stewardship, in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, says the office, duties, and obligations of a steward. We're all stewards. The conducting, supervising, and managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Jesus left this church in our hands, the body of Christ, not this building, not just this congregation. He left it in our hands. He gave us stewardship over it because he left here and gave us all the power we needed to do it, right? So it's up to us to do it. So I'm kind of sort of laying a foundation here. Uh, Dictionary.com says the position and duties of a steward, a person who acts as the surrogate of another or others, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estate, etc. The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for. Isn't this 
this gospel message worth being a good steward over? And as I said at the beginning, this applies to everybody in this room. From the youngest one to the oldest. I'm not going to point. I don't know who the oldest is. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Somebody pointed at this guy right here, but okay. It doesn't matter. But you get the point. Stewardship is is everybody's responsibility. Right? One of these days you're going to have a job. Right? Doing something. I don't know if it'll be flipping hamburgers or whatever. Stocking shelves at a grocery store. You're going to get a job and you're going to have a paycheck. Right? And you're going to be responsible on your paycheck to give the government their fair share because they're going to take it anyway. Right? So you don't get to keep everything you make. But that's being a good steward. Render unto Caesar what the things that are Caesar's, right? Be a good citizen. Render unto God the things that are God's. So after you give Caesar his part, unwillingly or otherwise, then you say, okay, God. And and we have to realize something here. Every dollar we have in our bank account really, really doesn't belong to us. It really doesn't. If we really believe that we, that God saved us and that He is our keeper and He is our creator and that He put us on this earth and He, and we believe that, that everything we have is a blessing from God, then He has given us everything we have. The house we live in, the car we drive, and has made us stewards of that. Yeah, you might have gone to the dealer and bought that car, that truck, but He's still expecting you to be a good steward of that. He's expecting you to use wisdom with your finances. Now, I'm not going to preach Dave Ramsey, but Dave Ramsey's got a lot of good points. And a lot of what he teaches is biblical. And I don't agree with all of his theology on stuff, but doesn't matter. He uses he he he's got enough scripture for what he teaches that it, that it it's valid. <clears throat> like the borrower is slave to the lender. Is that true or is that not true? Trust me when I tell you, and some of you know this, you start missing payments on your vehicle or your house, what's going to happen? The one that really owns it, the bank, is going to come after their property. Right? Am I, am I telling the truth? So, so really we don't own it anyway. And even after you paid it off, you still don't own it. You are a steward of that blessing that God gave you. And if God deems to take it away from you, do you think he will? He sure will. And he won't come and ask you if it's okay. Because he knows what's best. He's our Heavenly Father, right? So we are stewards of our health. We are stewards of this gospel. And we are stewards of our finances. We're talking about tithing, right? So, does it make sense to you, whether it's 10% or 50%, to give back to God a little bit of what he gave you and let you use? It makes total sense. It really does. Malachi 3.8 says, will a man rob God? And people are in here going, oh, man, he went to that scripture, didn't he? Man, why did he have to go to that one? Yet ye have robbed me, 
But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You know, the, the man that's the pastor of this church actually stood here and said that tithing is between you and God. And that he's not going to check on you and make sure you're, he's not going to sit there with a calculator and figure it out. It's between you and God. Right? It's between, if you have money, if you're putting money away for your re- retirement, that's, that's totally between you and yourself. Right? If you're preparing for the future, you've got to read, you've got to have some, some responsibility to yourself and, and tell this flesh, no, you can't have that money. It's for retirement. Right? And no, you can't have that, that percentage, whatever it is. And, you know, you might tithe 10%, but you might give an offering another 20%. That's up to you. That's, that's between you and God. You may feel very strongly about missions and you may feel to give an additional, in addition to your tithing, to something that you really believe in. Christmas for Christ. She's for Christ. Something that you believe in. Missionaries. You know, we, my wife and I were raised in a church that was a missionary church. Foreign missions work. And we were raised under a pastor that believed in foreign missions and we were donating, we were given to over 30 missionaries in that little church. And we never missed one missions and that church flourished. So it was put in us to love missions because really, we were born into this in a foreign missions work. So we have a special place in our heart for that. We don't have to do that. I'm not going to tell you how much. It's none of your business. But we support missionaries personally, individually, because we feel that strongly about it. We support things that help missionaries because we feel that strongly about it because had it not been for a missionary, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even know this. You know, some some man and his wife had to leave this country and leave the comforts of this country and go to a foreign field so that they would be there. So we they were there when we got there. So we believe in this. So it's not just about tithing. Although that's important. The word tithe is primarily found and discussed at length in the Old Testament. If you were to take your Bible app and look up the word tithe or tithing, you'll find that it's mostly found in the Old Testament. It's referred to a couple of times in the New Testament, but it's Jesus talking, and he's talking about the Pharisees and the scribes and religious people. So that uh, there is a brief mention, as I said already, in the New Testament in reference to the Jewish people. Tithing was not something that the Gentile people were accustomed to and familiar with in Jesus' day. The Complete Word Study Bible, um, talking about Kind of right in that area of Malachi 3.8, it says, This passage is often used by those who advocate storehouse tithing, that is, bringing the tithe into God's storehouse, the local church, rather than giving it anywhere else. They, meaning scholars and people like that, suggest that gifts to ministries other than the local church should be above the tithe. I personally believe that. Certainly, the storehouse in Malachi represents the temple or the building in the temple complex. However, some Bible, Bible, Bible scholars, and I want to emphasize Bible scholars, this is not me, this is not this pastor, but 
just giving you some information here for you to kind of chew on and think about. However, some Bible scholars feel that the Old Testament tithe or tenth cannot be reasonably equated with 10% of gross salary or wages, which most people earn today. Okay? Above all, giving should be a matter between the Holy Spirit and the believer. I already said that. Not a regulation or a rule to be followed. It really has to be. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. And it doesn't say God loves a cheerful tither. It really doesn't. <laughs> but he does love a cheerful giver. So we're going we're gonna to kind of get into that a little bit. The tithe may be an adequate guide to determining how much some people could give. Indeed, for many in a prosperous society, it's probably an inadequate level. Think about the guys that were giving out of their abundance and the little lady that gave out of her she had everything she had was in two pennies that she carried in her purse and she stuck all of that in the offering plate. And Jesus gave the principle that she gave more than all of these wealthy people put together because she gave all. She gave everything. She, she committed everything to the kingdom. A hundred percent of what she owned. She said, God's been taking care of me. This is me kind of reading into it. God's been taking care of me up to this point. If he can't take care of me when I put these two mites in there, then then we got a bigger problem. Right? So she said, I believe what this is about. Here you go. Are we willing to do that? The Apostle Paul wrote that God examines the motives for the giving, not the amount. And so we're going to go read that. Um, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 9. I am so thankful for my awesome booth person. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 9. And I'll give you a minute to get there. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9. says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. If you only plant enough seeds for one stalk of corn, that's all you're going to get is one stalk of corn. If you have a 40-acre field, you want to put as many seeds in that thing as you can because you want to get the most yield out of all the seeds you bought. So you're going to sow, not sparingly, but he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Can we use that principle with our money? Absolutely. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Motive, right? That's your motive. So let him give, not grudgingly. If you feel like you're doing it because you somebody's making you do it or you feel guilted about it or something, don't bother. That's what that's saying. Or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful Giver, if you can't trust God, if God speaks to you in a service, and I know people that this has happened to, and I know this sounds like like I'm making this up or something, but I'm not. Where God spoke to them and told them to write a check for the rest of the money in their checking account that was their grocery money for that week. And they looked at each other, husband and wife, and, and were like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. But they were like, but God told us to do it. Yep. 
Okay, do it. And they did it. And don't you know God took care of them? Almost immediately. He did. He loves a cheerful giver. God's paying attention. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath dispersed abroad. God's in control of everything. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. It's his. Everybody say it's his. He just lets me keep part of it. And honestly, I would rather keep get to keep the part that he's letting me keep, even if it's only 50%. If he's asking me to give 10% tithe and another 40% to something else, if I want... If I want the blessings of God, I'm going to obey what God told me to do and trust that he's going to take care of me exceeding abundantly. The Bible says above what we can ask or think. Sometimes you just can't think about it. If you think about it, you'll talk yourself out of it. God's just waiting for you to obey. Just do it. And watch if I won't pour out of the windows of heaven a blessing that you won't have room to receive. And it's goes back to motive, though. It's not about, let's see how much I can give so I can get some back. That's not what it's about. <laughs> let's see if I give 20%. You know, we had a friend early on in our walk with God that wanted to test the theory. So he and his wife agreed to start tithing 20%. Right? They didn't tell anybody. They didn't. We didn't find out about it till later. But they said it got to the point where they had checks they weren't cashing because they just had enough, had enough, had enough. And the checks were just laying on the table. They wanted to just see if this principle was really true. That's not for everybody. I had one other pastor tell his people, they had people kept asking, crying about wanting a raise from their job. He told them one day, he said, just start tithing on what you want to make. Not one on your making, but tithe on what you really want to make and see if God won't bring you to that. I don't, and some of those people in that church did that and God moved, God did it. I can't explain it. I, I really can't give you scripture for that, but it worked because God t- pays attention. He really does. You know, tithing is a command. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 27. Verse 30, Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, and it is holy unto the Lord. Go to verse 32. And concerning the tithe of the herd and of the flock and of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Verse 34. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in the Mount Sinai. So God, was he punishing them by doing No. He was just asking them to obey. What does that scripture say? To obey is, and then to hearken then 
than all the offerings that you can bring, the fat of rams. He just wants our obedience. Just trust me. That's what he's saying. Trust me. I'm not going to do things that are going to hurt you. I want to bless you. The blessing of tithing, or I said in their giving to the kingdom, the blessing is simple obedience, which that leads right into this, was all that God required of people of Israel. And really, that's all he requires of us today. What do you think that the the, the message of Acts 2.38 and this salvation message, what do you think that is? Because Peter preached on that day of Pentecost that, he talked to them about Jesus and all the things that they, the religious people did to Jesus. And at the end of his message, they said, oh, they were smote in their heart. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Oh, my gosh, we realize what we've done. How do we fix it? <laughs> Peter said, that's easy. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So what it's at the root of that, repentance, it's kind of like it's admitting you're wrong. It's submitting to God. It's obeying what he said to do. If you'll just do this, I'll do this. Just obey me. Just do what I, just follow the, the precept that I gave you. Does it work? It does, doesn't it? When you came here, you were skeptical. I don't know. I was too. I'm, I'm thinking, when I first came, I was thinking, okay, when they're going to start passing out the Kool-Aid. But they didn't. Right? Because I wasn't raised like this. But when I experienced it for myself, when I obeyed the gospel, there's a scripture that says, for they have not all obeyed the gospel. But those of us that have obeyed the gospel, <laughs> it, it's, I mean, even if you're raised in this, you don't know until you've experienced it. Till you've received the Holy Ghost, till it, it actually happened to you. Even that person that was raised in church and never let anything, alcohol or cigarettes or anything touch their lips, they still had to have that same experience I did. They still had to get past their fears and their doubts and all those things and Step into that realm of the unknown and say, okay, God, you said this would happen if I do this, so I'm going to do this. And, if, and I'm just trusting you that it's going to happen. And sure enough, it does. Right? So it's all about faithfulness to the kingdom and commitment to the kingdom. God simply required obedience and faithfulness from his chosen people. Everybody say, that's me. He's, he's chosen every one of us. Whether we make the decision to obey him or not is another story, but he has chosen all 51,000 plus people in this city. It's just a matter of have they, are they making the decision to say, okay, God, I give up. I give in. Have your way. Not my will. Thy will be done. All that stuff. He separated them unto himself, talking about Israel, so that they could be representatives to the rest of the world. Praise God. I wanted to quickly go to, let's go to Acts chapter 2. 
I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 37. His commandments were not grievous, were they? They weren't hard to follow in the Old Testament. They're not hard to follow now. Once again, all he asked for. So New Testament giving is what we're going to touch on real quickly here. Acts 4.32 says, And the multitude of them that believed were one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. Whoa. Whoa. Can we skip to another scripture, please, Brother Demuth? No. <laughs> Nothing that you have is yours. This is the church right here that we're a part of, the Acts Church. Neither it said any of them that ought of any of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. It says that in the book of Acts chapter 2 also. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. See, God took care of every one of them. For as many as were possessors of lands and houses and sold them, what? And brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet? And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. You mean to tell me that they went and sold their land and laid it and all the money that they made? They just willingly laid it down at the apostles' feet and said, here, use this for the church or for whoever needs it. Did they really do that? That's what we're reading here, right? (laughs) That'd be like, what about 10%? (laughs) Can we talk about 10% again? No, this is, they didn't, I don't see 10% right there. <laughs> and Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Wow, oh, there's out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. So we should all go out today. Or tomorrow's the first business day of the week. Sell everything we got and just bring it in here and give it to Brother Parker. No, it's not what I'm trying to tell you. These people did. It was about all about motive. They did what they felt God leading them to do in that moment. That was the birth of the church. And those, so they felt that strongly about it that they were willing to give everything, everything to the kingdom. Right? Everything. And totally trust God for everything. That's, that's some tough stuff right here, isn't it? Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 4, real quickly, and we're going to kind of wrap this thing up in the next five minutes. Um, we're going to talk about Cornelius. Anybody know about Cornelius in the Bible? Cornelius was not a Jew. He didn't have to obey the Mosaic law. He didn't have to follow any of the rules that the Jews had to follow. He didn't have to be circumcised or any of that stuff. But this was kind of on the cusp of God beginning to turn this thing over and hand it over to the Gentile people. Right? So there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man. 
and one that feared God. He reverenced God, the God of Israel. Once again, he is a Gentile, not a Jew. But there was something about this message. There was something about what he saw in these people that that touched him, that made a difference in him, that that just kind of like planted that seed. And he kept thinking, man, there's something about this. You know, God was already dealing with Cornelius before he ever brought Peter along. God was already bringing Cornelius. You know, the Bible says that no man comes to him except he draws them, right? So God was drawing Cornelius, wasn't he? We're talking about tithing here, okay? He feared God with all of his house, not just him, but with all of his house. He was a centurion. He lived in probably a really posh, nice house and had lots of servants and family there. So he didn't just keep this little message to himself. He made sure everybody in his household was a part of this. Folks, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it together. And I'm the boss, and (laughs) you're going to give whether you like it or not. And that's not what he did. Which gave much alms to the people. And he was really giving to the poor. Much alms, not just a little. He felt so strongly about this message and he looked at the people out there that were struggling and he's like, man, I got all this and I I don't have enough room to put it in play. I got money stuffed in my mattress and I got it everywhere. Why am I hanging on to this? Those people out there are starving. They need this, so I'm going to give it to them. That's what he did. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't announce it. He didn't put it on CNN. He didn't, nobody knew about it. Ah. Somebody knew about it, right? And and it says here that he prayed to God always. And that word always there means uninterruptedly, perpetually, incessantly, and successively. So he didn't just have his little prayer time every day and say, okay, God, I did my hour. I did my 30 minutes. Just write me down. Okay, I'm on, I'm off to do my own thing now. No, it says he prayed always, everywhere he went, every chance he had. He wasn't standing there doing business with somebody and praying in front of him, but when he wasn't conducting business or whatever, he was talking to God. He was listening to God. He was like, he was trying to find God. Because he he wasn't a Jew, and this wasn't for the, the Gentiles yet. And it says here in verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, God will talk to us. How many believe that? I heard one man say he's always talking to us. It's just that we're not always listening. If we would just stop and listen sometime, we could hear God talking to us because he's not going to shout. He's not. He's going to talk to us in a still, small voice. It's just going to be a thought or something. It's not going to be something you normally would think. But you'll you'll know when you start when you start hearing from God and you start seeking to know what His voice sounds like. And best way to do that is to read His Word because then you know how He talks. You know, I talk like I'm from the South. So if I'm in a in a crowd of 500 people, Sister Bell, and you hear me over there in the middle of this Midwestern you'll say, that's Brother DeMuth over there, because I know how he talks, right? Right. Is that right? That's got to be Brother DeMuth, because he doesn't sound like any of us. 
And so that's how we, we know God's voice, by his word. We know how he talks. So we, we kind of know what he's saying. So Cornelius heard this, and he said when he looked at him, on him, he was afraid. And said, he said to the angel, what is it, Lord? It's like the same thing Paul said when he said had that thing that he couldn't see talking to him from thin air. And he said, who art thou, Lord, right? This is what Cornelius said. What is it, Lord? Because he knew he'd been talking to God. He'd been searching for the Lord. He'd been reaching out to God. He'd been giving. He'd been, he, he must have felt prompted by God to give to the poor. I just, that's what I believe. He just, God must have just been prompting him to do that, to see what he would do. I know, hurry up, brother Demuth, get to the point. And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. That is awesome right there. God noticed that he was giving. And God looked at his motive for giving. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, what you do in secret, God will reward openly. Right? You don't have to, the Jews would announce to everybody, hey, I'm fasting. I'm giving over here. Everybody see me? Jesus said, you don't need to do that. Just do what you're going to do for God in silent and wait and watch that God doesn't reward you openly. And so that's what was happening here. God said, I have your alms and all of your giving and your prayers have been so powerful that even I took notice. So he sent an emissary, an angel, to tell him that. So tell me that God doesn't notice our giving, our tithing, our faithfulness. We talked about it being faithfulness. What is stewardship? Faithfulness, right? Just giving back to God what he just requires of you to give. No more. So God noticed his prayer life, first of all, and he noticed his giving. And I'm bringing this to a close. As stewards, all of his blessings, which includes our finances, it is vitally important that we strive to be the best steward that we can be when it comes to those finances. Paying your bills. Don't go into a bunch of debt. Because if you're going into debt on a bunch of credit cards, you're robbing God because now you owe that money. You're taking what's supposed to be God's and you have to give it to Capital One. What's in your wallet, right? Nothing when they're done with you, right? Nothing. They take it all, 28% interest or whatever. So that steak dinner didn't just cost you $16.99. It cost you $16.99 times 28%. And if you don't pay that balance off, it's going to keep costing you. There's something wrong with that. (laughs) You cannot go wrong in giving back into the kingdom. Cannot go wrong giving back into the kingdom. You cannot go wrong giving back into the kingdom. You cannot go wrong. Did I say that already? Giving back into the kingdom. You didn't need Cornelius. He didn't need Cornelius' money. He really didn't. Because we just read earlier that God, he takes care of the poor. Jesus said the poor will always be with you. Don't worry about them. Right? In a nutshell is what he said. But he was honoring his sacrificial giving, his obedience, his motive. Right? It must have been sacrificial for God to take notice. 
How many wants God? I want God to notice what I'm doing in secret, don't you? Out of my, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So out of the abundance of the heart, we do things and we, we listen to God and we don't proclaim it to everybody. We just quietly go do it. And what we do in secret, God's going to reward openly. The main thing is that, was that God was checking his motive. So we're going to, next week, what are we going to talk about? Tithing in what? In talent. So I didn't give you a whole lot of scriptures there, but if you want to go study that out and see if you can find where I'm going to go, that'd be great. But 